2: Welcome to the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho athletics. Now, here is your host, Chris Keen.
3: Fresh Vandal Insider Podcast coming your way. Chris King joining you. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've got plenty of Vandal talk to get to, which is highlighted by a couple of really fun interviews first we will sit down have an in-depth conversation with brand new Vandal defensive coordinator Dan Jackson he has a background with both Jason Eck and Luke Schleisner when they all work together at South Dakota State he comes to the Palouse from the SEC he most recently was on the staff at Vanderbilt we will chat with him a lot of fun to learn about the new leader of the Vandal defense his background his thoughts on everything so that is one you really want to listen into and and then we talk about fun. I don't think there's a person in the the big sky spear, the uh, the hoops kind of a world. I would say who is as much fun to be around as Joe Cravens, the former Vandal head coach, went on to have a ton of success at Weber State, also time on the staff at the University of Washington at Utah, was even the interim coach for a while at Utah, and he has turned into uh, the analyst extraordinaire. He does the Big Sky Tournament. He did the Vandals game on Saturday. We will sit down and chat with Joe Cravens again. As I say to him at the end of this interview, it's impossible to walk away chatting with Joe Cravens and and not have a smile on your face. So those are our two interviews coming up on this episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast, which is sponsored, as always, by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandals team physician, orthopedic surgeon Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between, let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. We welcome in, as we always do, from the VSF, Chris Hammond. Chris, we're rolling along here. we got some football talk to get to. Of course, we are in uh, the middle of hoop season. Big Sky Play is off and rolling. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Enjoying this new
4: year. Weather's been crazy. Winter finally got us. But uh, enjoying the amount of Vandal sports and Vandal-adjacent sports, such as the Hula Bowl, uh, that have been going on this first Three weeks or so of the uh, new year.
3: Yeah, I know the last time, our our last episode in in this kind of year, it's probably every two weeks, kind of twice a month, we'll have a brand new Vandal Insider podcast dropping. So our last episode, we were kind of previewing the Hula Bowl and it was neat to see Hayden Hatton participating in the Hula Bowl. And not only did he participate, he made a big impact in that game, Chris.
4: Yes, yes, he did. Uh, I I was texting with a couple of people, you know, in the athletic department after that game and said he has to get player of the game right and to my knowledge they just didn't name a player of the game but two catches i don't know the yardage but one was for a touchdown and the other catch was for god it looked like at least over 20 yards and in those kinds of games yes there were some one-handed catches and uh the holy cross receiver i think had one and a couple other like a byu tight end or something but uh you know every other player seemed to have maybe like one big play Hayden getting that first touchdown on the board of the game, getting the interview afterwards. My opinion, still the best interview that was given, uh, during the Hula Bowl. And then, uh, you know, later in that game, rips off a big catch, I believe on a third down. So, um, really showed out. Uh, the Vandals got a lot of screen time, which is always good, you know, for, for the brand and, I know a lot of what the announcers were talking about if people weren't able to watch it on CBS Sports is the Hulu Bowl is kind of the first of these college showcase games. So a lot of it is viewed as getting to audition for some of the bigger ones, like initial proven ground for some of these players. So I hope to see an announcement here in the coming weeks that Hayden got an invite to maybe one or two of these other games to uh, keep showcasing what he can do to scouts at the next level.
3: Yeah, he definitely was one of the stars of that game, and uh, Hayden, as, as us uh, Vandals know, uh, you get an opportunity to showcase him, and he does such a great job of representing the University of Idaho, representing himself, and uh, that interview with him was uh, was a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, uh, he did a great job of uh, of giving a shout-out to, to the Vandals, uh, as he always does. So with that, we got some football, the staff, those new additions to the coaching staff. We'll get to that a little bit later on. And, of course, as we said, Dan Jackson, the new defensive coordinator, will be our guest. Coming up next, but hoops, this is a fun time of year. You can not only pencil in your Thursdays and your Saturdays for watching both the Vandal men and the Vandal women. Well, there's even some Mondays sprinkled in there as well of uh, February 5th. Both the Vandal men and Vandal women will be in action, so uh, plenty of chances to come out and see these teams at the ICCU Arena. And uh, you know, both right now in the middle of conference play, it's a conference play is a grind. And uh, for the Vandal women, I know uh, a kind of a tough injury and injuries that they've had to face, and uh, you know, rolling with the punches on that. But uh, a team that has had. Uh, some really impressive stretches of success and uh, that's what every squad's trying to do is to be playing your best basketball come February and March. We'll talk about that with Joe Cravens and for the Vandal Men right now we have seen some you know some good chunks of the game they're just trying to put together with this team uh, and that is younger not a lot of division one experience trying to expand those kind of uh, parts of the game beyond 20, 25, 30 minutes and uh, you know it does feel like it's only a matter of time before that will happen and uh, it's just some Great opportunities coming up. I know as we chat here today, uh, that home game against NAU, then the matchup on Saturday against Northern Colorado on tap, then the team will head out on the road to play both Montana schools and Sacramento State. That will be a Thursday, Saturday, Monday, all apart that uh, same trip. And once that Sac State game rolls around, that's going to be round two. So you're seeing every team for the second time, and uh, that's also kind of a great measurement of growth to see how you do the second time through conference play.
4: Exactly. And you know, the, I know when you're looking at the wins losses, you see that we've got a couple L's in a row there on the men's side, but the thing that I've been kind of taking away from all this is outside of maybe that first Washington state game. And then that Seattle U game, we've been in every game up to a certain point, which I think just goes to show that to your point, you definitely need to be tuning in and watching these guys. If you're going to the ICC arena, they're worth the price of admission. And you're just seeing that they just need a couple things to click, maybe a little bit more gel, just pick up each other's introsyncrasies a little bit. And this team could easily start turning some of these scores the other way around where now they're the ones pulling away late. Um It's just, it's been nice to see like that Eastern Washington, Eastern Washington's men and women are starting out conference play like 10 and 0 they're basically unbeatable. And then the men hung with them there deep into the second half and, Uh, you know, it's cool to see that uh, the team is continuing to compete even when they do get down. So I expect that kind of as you touched on, as the season starts closing out, we start getting closer to Boise. This team's just only, they're so young. They're so inexperienced together. Only one senior and D'Angelo Menace. Like this team's only going to continue to grow. And uh, like you said, we've got some winnable games coming up on the slate. And then, you know, we'll be able to challenge ourselves there late in the year to roll in the Boise and see if this team can win a couple games. And it's all it really takes in, in college basketball. You just have to win three or four there at the end of the year in a neutral site to be able to advance to the tournament. So I uh, always need this team to start rolling. And I think they got the pieces. It's just, it's getting those minutes and every game they're getting more and more
3: minutes. I can't wait for that day too. And it's going to come, maybe it's this year, but I know it's going to come in the, in the not too distant future when the Vandals either go into the big sky tournament as one of the top seeds, are they catch fire down in Boise in a year where maybe they're not, you know, a one, two or three when it comes to the seeding in the bracket and to feel what that environment will be like in downtown Boise, when the Vandals are making a run in the big sky tournament. Uh, I know that there's a great Vandal turnout kind of year in and year out just since the conference tournament has moved to Boise, it just hasn't worked out where the Vandals have made a deep run. Uh, but I know when that day happens, what well, the support is going to be like and what the environment uh, there in Boise will be like for it. So maybe it's this year, you know, maybe it's a little bit further down the road, but when that happens, I can't wait for it because uh, I just know there's just going to be kind of a buzz of Vandal energy when that day comes when the team uh, will be making a deep run of the Big Sky Tournament once again, we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. Well, with that, we'll jump into our interviews. We've got Joe Cravens, former Vandal head coach very successful longtime college basketball coach and now tv analyst he'll join us for our second interview but coming up next here is dan jackson our chat with the brand new vandal defensive coordinator well dan this is a real pleasure to sit down and chat for the first time and uh welcome to moscow i know you've hit the ground running in your time here on the palouse uh how's everything gone so far since getting here to idaho it's
1: been amazing smooth transition uh unbelievable people it's uh You can tell everybody's pulling in the right direction with the university and the athletic department. Um, It's been awesome. So everybody I've encountered has been really helpful. Uh, The people in town, uh, you know, it's been fun to be able to to meet, you know, just folks in the community and things and just feel their support for the university and the football program. And um, it's been amazing.
3: I'm sure when Jason Eck got the job, then, you know, Idaho came on your radar a little bit. But uh, before that, in your football career and life, had you ever been to this part of the country before?
1: Never been out here. Never been out here. So uh, as a player at South Dakota State, you know, made the trip to San Obispo and in Davis and played out there, um, you know, a little bit. But in terms of this part of the country, have not been. Been a, been maybe the biggest Idaho supporter that's been in Nashville the last couple uh, years with, uh, with Coach Eck being out here. So catch a lot of the games for sure.
3: And so you've been I saw some comments that yeah you'd be staying up late depending on when the Vandals were playing and when your obviously your responsibilities at Vanderbilt allowed you to but uh keeping pretty close tabs on things?
1: Oh, definitely. If there was a, obviously it was locked in with what we were doing at Vanderbilt but uh you know it was actually awesome to be able to have the uh the games out here starting a little bit later for us. And so my wife and I would stay up late. We made it up for most of the games. Uh there may be some half times that we fell asleep, but uh no, like Coach Eck and I have been really close. And Kimberly, um, you know, his wife and my wife have, have, you know, just developed a strong relationship, too. So, you know, we, we like supporting, you know, our uh, our friends in the business. But, um, you know, it was fun to be able to watch Coach from afar just start to build the program and see the momentum, you know, just build over these last couple of years.
3: And so I know folks are familiar with the fact that uh, you were on the same staff at South Dakota State as Jason Eck and Luke Schleissner. Can you take us back through your shared history? When did you guys first uh, cross paths? I'm, I'm assuming in Brookings, but I'll let you explain that and uh, what it's been like uh, now having things uh, all come back together and, and be on the same staff here.
1: No, well, at first, it's what a blessing to be able to be back with some people that, um, you know, with Jason and Luke to, that you just know and care, you know, care about and, um, you know, trust has been awesome. So our relationship goes back to I got South Dakota state in 2012. Um, and we were starting to build that program and they had really had back-to-back five and six seasons before that. And so really got in and, uh, with a phenomenal staff and John Stigelmeyer was the head coach and one of my biggest mentors. Um, and so we started to build it and we were winning and we had some staff transition and I'll never forget coach X, uh, interview. He came in, he interviewed for the offensive line coach and the best, uh, most entertaining, uh, you know, interview that I've ever been a part of. You know, I'll never forget coach. He walked in and, you know, he set up the room and our whole staff was in there and he treated each one of our staff members that he was interviewing with as if we were players. And so he assigned, I was the true freshman, Mason McCormick, at the time. And so he gets going on his interview and he was teaching us a, a zone concept and how he would block it up. And he was calling on me and calling me Mason. And it um, was a really interactive interview and he just left a mark on me. Um, you know, from that point forward. And then, you know, once he got hired and progressed from the offensive line coach to offensive coordinator, um, you know, we just talked ball and, and talked life. We traveled together a little bit, vacation with our, with our wives, um, one year. So just a, you know, uh, an awesome time, you know, together at South Dakota State, experienced a, a ton of success, um, you know, but put in a lot of work, you know, together to be able to attain that success. And, um, Luke, the same way, you know, um, you know, Luke and his wife, Jenny Lee got close with my, my wife, Missy and I as well. And, and, uh, traveled together. It's fun. When I'm on a staff as a defensive coach, I really like picking the minds of the offensive coaches. And so it was natural to be able to communicate with Jason on what he was seeing up front. Um, Luke in the past game, uh, funny, funny story about, about, uh, coach Slashner is I didn't, you know, Luke and I didn't know each other at the time, but my first year coaching, I was a GA at South Dakota state. and We played North Dakota and, Um, you know, I was coaching the corners and he had some really good receivers and, uh, you know, they had some great concepts and they actually put up a ton of numbers on us. I was like, who is this offensive coordinator coming up with all these things? And, uh, little did I know a couple years later, we'd be working together at South Dakota state. So great, great guys, great people. I'm thankful to be back with them.
3: It's funny how that works, and I know the coaching world is, uh, is a very small one, so it's fun to see those uh, those ties are strong and to, uh, to bring someone in here. There's been so much success at Idaho these two years uh, and to have such familiarity in this important job as defensive coordinator. And on that note, uh, should fans expect any major uh, philosophical schematic changes when it comes to what the defense will look like when uh, spring ball rolls around and the fall will be here before we know it? Well, first, you know,
1: just watching these past couple seasons, I've been really impressed with the defense. I've been impressed with that, the guy's effort, um, their physicality, the the level of execution and the energy that they play with. So really excited to take over, you know, uh, a group and a side of the ball that Coach Orchard did such a phenomenal job with. And so you can coming in, you know, you kind of see the guys work in the weight room and you get to know their their personalities and how they work. And these guys have been trained at a high level. Um, you know, I love the camaraderie of the defense. I've uh, been really impressed with, um, just the energy and the weight room and the workout so far when I've been able to see, uh, in terms of, um, philosophy, you know, speaking of what I, we expect to do as a defensive staff is we want to, we want to play with great effort. We want to play with championship effort. We want to be, it's to me, it's, that's where, that's where it starts with. We want to be the, the hardest playing team in the country. Um, and I think with either side of the ball, but especially defense, it's, it's got to start with guys that are in shape and excited and playing, you know, you know, as hard as they possibly can on every single snap. Um, from there, you know, we're going to really focus on, on being violent, you know, and, and tackling and if, if, uh, uh, offensive players an inch off the ground or an inch in bounds, we're running to the ball with great effort and we want to make sure that we make them pay when we get there. Um, and then we're going to talk a lot about structure and making sure that, uh, we put together schemes that are simple for us, but complex for the offense. So, um, to me, defensively, there's opportunities to disguise. There's opportunities to them and move your front. And there's some things that for us may be very simple to install and very simple to coach, but it'll make the the offense think post snap. So I'm a big believer in uh, if an offense is able to come out and and see what you're in and know what maybe the coverage is or the front is in, um, that they're able to take advantage and that works to their advantage. The more that we can do to make the quarterback or an offensive lineman make a decision once the ball is snapped, advantage defense now. And so, um, you know, I still expect to play, you know, a four down front cover four has kind of been my base, but, um, you know, I, we've got some things that we want to mix up and change. Um, you know, maybe being able to get in and out of four down and three down and move the D line. I really want to highlight, um, our defensive line, because when I watch tape, I see really twitchy, explosive guys that are playmakers. And sometimes your defensive line is you know, big stout guys that are holding gaps and, and, uh, we have those players too, but I definitely want to get our defensive line, um, involved in creating some, some TFLs, uh, getting the, the offense behind the sticks. I think that, that group I've been impressed with so far. So, um, it'll be similar, uh, but there'll be some, there'll definitely be some variations that, that, that people see from a schematic standpoint.
3: Well, that leads me right to my next question, and you, and you touch on a lot there with with the defensive line. What else has stood out to you on tape? I'm sure you've been uh, devouring Vandal tape over the last uh, yeah. a weeks, and uh, as now we chat, maybe around a month or so.
1: Yep. No. Um, you know, first, what stood out to me was we talked about the defensive line in terms of like uh, their ability to get off the ball and create havoc, and their movement, and their skill, and their twitch. Um, and then you see linebackers that are really sound in terms of fitting plays and. You know, we did a great job last year defensively, you know, Coach Ors and the staff, you know, in terms of limiting explosive plays. And so when you watch the tape, you see the defensive line wreaking havoc. You see the linebackers fitting plays correctly and understanding um, their role and their job in the defense. And then you see the back end playing very disciplined football. And so there was, you know, to be honest, we, I've done a study where if you can hold your opponent, to seven or less explosive plays in a game, it, the odds of, you know, in, increasing your chances to win and play great defense is there. You know, when I started looking at the tape, you know, it, there was times where it was less than four, you know, explosive plays. And and to me, an explosive play is a gain more than 20 yards by the offense, runner pass. Um, and so I, I saw like a sound, you know, sound group, what I'm seeing. And so really impressed also with the youth. You know, when you look at our football team, specifically the defense, you know, I get here and the first, I'm a very relational person. And so in order to get our guys to play with championship effort, like we discussed, play within structure, understand their job, you know, they want they need to feel cared about and they need to feel believed in and you need to have a strong relationship deeper than um, a surface level relationship. And so I, I spent my time getting to know the players and for multiple days, met with them just one on one, every every guy on the defense. And what I kept noticing, it was like, okay, well, what year are you? Well, I'm a freshman, or I redshirted last year, or I'm a sophomore. And we have some great leadership and some veterans as well. But um, it stands out to me that we have some young, talented guys that uh, are really just scratching the surface of what they can be. So um, you know, you see the youth, you see playmaking, you see athleticism, and uh, I'm really excited what I see Coach Haim doing with these guys in the weight room because they're adding the strength and the power. Uh, that they're going to need to be able to execute their job. Um, But really excited about the youth of the defense, specifically when I look at that.
3: When you're building those relationships with the current guys, I know when we talked with Jason Eck about you just a couple weeks ago, he praised your ability as a recruiter. So now you're in this this job for the Vandals. You're going out on the road and spreading the Vandal gospel. What are you looking for in guys that are going to be part of your defense moving forward?
1: Love football, first and foremost. Um, You know, Obviously the measurables, you know, you want guys to have measurables and traits and certain level of athleticism. But to me, it starts with the love of the game. Uh, we've all seen really talented players that haven't lived up or reached their potential or uh, lived up to a certain expectation um, that was set on, put on them. And then, you know, I've been around some really good players that maybe lacked uh, a measurable or maybe it was uh, a speed or a size or whatever it may be that they may have lacked. But they made up for that and love for the game. And defensively, to me, it is so much about the effort and the passion that you play with that. And we're going to push our players. I mean, at practice, it's going to be you know, I want to make practice really, really challenging on them. And so, you know, you identify who loves the game um, at that point. So it'll start there uh, and then it gets into competitiveness. I love guys that are willing to compete in anything. You know, if you were to walk in my office right now, you'll see a little mini hoop on the back of the door because. I just want to see who's going to pick up a basketball and start shooting. At some point, if uh Amazon delivery gets here, I'll have a little putter in there and guys can play putt-putt. I, I like um guys that want to compete in, you know on the field in football certainly, but just um you know to me that translates to them competing in the classroom and them competing um you know just for everything that they want to attain in life and to be able to reach their goals. So love of the game, competition, um and then from a physical standpoint, you know, I'm I I believe still believe in developing players and I do see that in the world of the transfer portal, which there's a lot of positives uh, involved in the transfer portal for every program. You know, I see that there there may not be um, the desire to develop players as much as there was, you know, in terms of the recruiting process. And I still love recruiting high school players that are maybe long and lean and fluid um, and, you know, looking at that kid for what he is at a 16, 17, 18 year old prospect coming out of high school, but seeing what he'll be two, three, four years down the line as we develop him So long fluid athletes, um, that there's still plenty of development there because I, that is, um, after relationships development, uh, is something I'm extremely passionate about.
3: You have this great background coming into the University of Idaho, your time at South Dakota State, your time at Northern Illinois, your time at Vanderbilt. How have those stops and what you have picked up along the way uh, helped you to be where you are now and to, to translate all that into success here at Idaho?
1: I'm so thankful for uh, every university I've been able to work for, um, You know, starting at really the high school level. You know, I, I graduated um, and I started coaching high school football right out of the chute, and I was able to learn from a guy that coached me um, Mike Huffman uh, for a year. And then Paul lamanji has been one of my biggest mentors. He's a head coach back in Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm from. And so I actually learned a lot from him just in terms of effort and toughness and, you know, the work ethic that it takes to be a great coach. Um, and he's developed some powerhouses down there. And and uh, I really value coach. And going to South Dakota State, you know, then to be able to transition and work for, you know, Coach Stiglmeyer, who had been there for a long time. He had been a defensive coordinator himself he was actually a DB coach prior to being a defensive coordinator. So kind of natural for me to gravitate to, to coach Stig for whether it was a technique or a scheme. Um, And coach Stig really does a good job of coaching his coaches. And, you know, I had been a high school teacher and coach initially. So I was uh, up to speed on, you know, lesson plans and teaching progression and transitions. Well, coach really applied what I had known as a teacher into, and that's truly who we, what we are as coaches is to educators. And so, um, he really taught me how to keep it simple for the players. So allow them to play flat fast. And, you know, you may have a scheme that's complex and you look at it in its entirety, but, uh, the, uh, using common language and simplifying things for the players allows them to go execute on Saturdays and have fun. Uh, and then I was there, I mean, I was there for eight years. So such a valuable, uh, experience in South Dakota state. And then moving to Northern Illinois, Thomas Samick, totally different situation. Uh, coach head. You know, it was his second year when I got there. He had been in the NFL. He had had a lot of Big Ten experience. You know, he taught me truly in terms of, like, the personnel and looking at uh, how to build a roster and, um you know, just the physicality of the game. You know, he had been in Wisconsin, then he had been with the Baltimore Ravens. And so when you look at those programs, you know, they're built on physicality and running the football. And so he taught me so much. um from the building of men uh getting them to play extremely physical a tough brand of football and then the personnel side of constantly evaluating your roster allowing players to earn it every day um and i mean i was at ni or niu for two seasons and my growth in that time was uh, was i attribute to to coach Hammock. and transitioning to the sec you know again working with clark lee who was a linebacker coach and a defensive coordinator um you know, being able to spend so much time with him um, and his level of like detail and uh, the level of execution that he demanded from all of our players and staff was incredible. And obviously you're seeing some high level talent in the SEC, um, you know, but those two years I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, um, from a being with Coach Lee, from a defensive uh, and a linebacker standpoint was really able to. I mean, I couldn't be more ble- with, blessed with better mentors. Could not be.
3: So when it comes to the Vandals, obviously the team is trying to, to get to that point where you're a national championship contender the last two years making the playoffs, try to make a repeat appearance in the playoffs, but it really all kind of starts with what you can do in the conference and that goal of winning the Big Sky title. I know it's early. This is yep. January we're talking, but what are your early thoughts as we sit here on what it takes to stop these offenses in the Big Sky and what makes the Big Sky unique?
1: The Big Sky is unique and and there's a, uh, a lot of variations to the offenses that you see so you you're gonna maybe see a team one week that is a 12 and 21 personnel team more tight ends more backs in there a little more shifting trading motioning um, and when you play those teams you got to be able to get downhill and stop the run and um, get those guys to play a brand of football that they don't and they want to get them behind the sticks and so you got to have a you got to be really sound in the run game um, fit things really well and then you got to be disciplined on the perimeter because a lot of times when you play those teams you're gonna have defensive backs that are isolated in one-on-one matchups. And and then the following week, you may play a spread team that's going to be more up-tempo. And, you know, when I look at the big sky and I look at the SEC, there's some similarities there. You'd play an old Miss one week and they're a spread up-tempo team or a Tennessee. And then the following week, you're playing Alabama or Georgia that wants to run the football and be really physical. Um, and so that gets back to keeping things simple for our guys and having like a a, a base structure that you believe you can you can not only like play, but it can be sound, simple, and solid for regardless of the opponent that you're playing. And it starts with that, uh, and then we'll have variations week to week to stop these guys. But I've been really impressed with the 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 guys in the trenches of our opponents. The offensive lines um, are physical, and when you watch tape, you really start saying that everybody's got at least one player on the perimeter that can be a game-changing type player. Um, and so, you know, to me, it always starts with keeping it simple for the guys trying to make when you're truly getting into game planning an opponent making somebody play left-handed you know if they're a uh, rpo offense what are we going to do to take away the rpo and make them be a more drop back team or if they're a power run team what are we going to do to get them behind the sticks and make them have to throw the football so if they're a tempo team what are the things that we can do to be able to adjust to where they have to slow down uh, a a little bit and um, that may be creating turnovers which i'm a big believer in and um, taking the football away is is uh, extremely important to play in defense now too so it really impressed with the re- the league really impressed with the versatility of the offenses in the league think there's really good coaching um, you know across the board but specifically on the offensive side of the ball and our offense is so talent so good and so sound that you know it, it is a huge help to us to to go against coach Lashner's offense on a daily basis because of the amount of formations and the amount of shifting and motioning, you know, we're joking about it the other day, you know, that our offense does creates a lot of issues. So uh, I think you start seeing things that you need to sure up defensively in practice. Um, and um, so, no, I couldn't be more excited. I think we got a ton of talent. I think we've got all the talent we need uh, to be able to go as far as we want to go. It's, I am a big believer in winning every day. Um, and you know, we've got a long ways to go till the season, but couldn't be more excited about the trajectory of the team.
3: Can't wait. Spring ball will be here soon. Let's that go. first matchup against Oregon will be here before <laughs> we know it. That conference opener be here in a blink of the eye. Dan, it's been great getting a chance to sit down with you and chatting with you. I was joking with you before we hit record that uh, you'll be sick of me before you know it. That never, the season never. Around, in I'm, I'm bugging you quite a bit, but it is uh, it is a pleasure. It's fantastic to have you here on the Palouse. And, uh, and the future is very bright, and we're just thrilled that you're a part of it.
1: Appreciate you so much. It's been a, a, an honor to be able to speak to you. I look forward to the next time.
3: Well, great getting the chance to sit down and chat with new Vandal Defensive Coordinator Dan Jackson. Looking forward to many more talks with him uh, during his time here in Moscow. Well, the Vandal Insider Podcast, it is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandals team physician, orthopedic surgeon Dr. Kyle Hazelwood cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Well, now it's time for our interview with Joe Cravens, not only the former head coach of the University of Idaho men's basketball program, had a lot of success leading the program at Weaver State, took the Wildcats to an NCAA tournament. Well, he has been for a number of years kind of the go-to TV analyst uh, uh, for the Big Sky and for the Big Sky Conference tournament. He did the Vandals game uh, back when they were in Ogden taking on Weber State, so he got a chance to see Idaho, and uh, he's got connections to both of those programs, as he'll mention uh, in the interview. And Joe Cravens, again, uh, always just a blast to be able to catch up with him. So here is our interview with Joe Cravens. Well, this is a real treat here as we now welcome in Joe Cravens, who not only does a fantastic job broadcasting games now as an analyst, but uh, had such a successful coaching career, which of course included a time at the University of Idaho as the head coach for the Vandals. Uh, coach, it's always a pleasure to catch up. How are you doing today?
5: Thanks, Chris. I, I'm doing just fine. Just kind of getting my day started here as usual, kind of taking it slow in the morning. and. Uh, uh, you know, checking the scores around the league and around the nation. And, uh, of course, as you know, I have a dentist appointment this morning, a little later, so not really looking forward to that. But all's good, bro.
3: Well, I was joking with you earlier. As long as this part is a is a little more pleasant than your dentist uh, trip, we'll uh, we'll call that a victory from your time uh, uh visiting here. And I know uh, it was just recently that the Vandals were down in Ogden. Uh, I had the chance to uh to to chat with you then, and it's always great to uh to catch up. Just uh overall, how how is life going for you these days?
5: Oh, Chris, I'm very, very fortunate, very blessed. I, I have a, a great lifestyle, I'm able to do uh, broadcasting and and uh stay involved with college basketball all winter and uh that is a good thing it's kind of like i tell people kind of like having a hobby you paid for and uh you know i don't just show up and do the games i do quite a bit of preparation so uh that is uh keeps me keeps me occupied during the winter and then in the summer i'm a big gardener and golfer and Big baseball fan. I travel around, watch a lot of baseball. I've got a daughter in professional baseball with the Colorado Rockies. So it's uh again, I'm very very fortunate and very blessed to have that type of lifestyle. I'm pretty content at this point in my life.
3: That's fantastic. So big, big gardener. What what is in your garden? What do you have a specialty or a little bit of everything?
5: <laughs> well, I grow and I live, you know, in in a little uh uh a neighborhood that you wouldn't suspect someone would have a garden in the backyard. My backyard is almost all garden. I grew up in Southern Indiana where everyone had a a vegetable garden. So it's kind of part of my uh, DNA, so to speak. I, I plant between 20 and 25 tomato plants each year. And then I grow an assortment of vegetables and flowers. I grow cucumbers and beans and, uh, three or four different kinds of peppers and I I become pretty popular around the neighborhood because I just put things in bags and give vegetables to everyone around. We don't pan or make salsa or anything like that. But it's just it's just fun to watch things grow and uh uh gives one of my favorite favorite days is afternoons when I can put a uh I'm a big Cincinnati Reds fan along with the uh with the Rockies now, that I can put a baseball game on a uh, Bluetooth speaker and listen to it while I'm out in my garden peddling. So um, that makes a day go by pretty quick and I enjoy that. And then usually about five o'clock, it's time to kind of take a break and maybe have a Miller Light or two. That usually helps your garden grow quite a bit. So <laughs> that is uh, that is
3: the life. That is the life right there. Well, when I saw you in Ogden recently, you got to broadcast Idaho's game against Weber State. I know that was your first time seeing this year's version of the Vandals. What did you think of Idaho?
5: Well, I I I think Coach Preble's done a great job of taking higher new group of kids, putting together, and uh, a lot of times people have four, five, six new players. He's got an entire new team, and that's not easy. People don't realize. How arduous it is early in the season to teach things to twelve new players. When you have, let's say, you got six new players and six players back, those six players that are returning can help the new players. Right now, no one can help uh, someone with the experiences and what's being taught because they're all new. But you know, it was a it was a close game for thirty minutes with with uh, Weber State, and then the last ten minutes. Uh, Weber State kind of, I think, outscored uh, the van of something like 41-18, uh, I think, like, uh, about what it is. But I think they've got some real pieces. I was really, really impressed with Julius Mims, uh, with, with, uh, uh, also with Danker and uh, Linhart, and I it really impressed with how hard they played and how well they were coached. You know, you you can watch a team. Um, it doesn't take you long, at least uh, when you have the year put in I have, to figure out once the guy has got him headed in the right direction. And I think Coach Rebel and Coach Laird and his staff, the rest of his staff have done a, a really nice job. I think they've got some – I think the last 10 minutes of the game go their inexperience and their lack of time playing together. They played 30 minutes of really what I felt like was quality basketball. And then Weber State who, who returns five starters and six of the first seven. And that has a wealth of experience over, uh, more experience than the Vandals. And I, I thought the last 10 minutes were experience kind of took over and while uh, the Vandals were kind of looking over their shoulder a little bit, uh, so to speak, but I, I thought they represented themselves very well, and I think uh, Coach treble really has them headed in the right direction.
3: Yeah, this has been a fun team to watch so far and to see how this team will continue to grow. And uh, we get across paths again down in Boise for the Big Sky Conference Tournament. And as we talk here today, we're we're getting close to that halfway point of conference play where we can kind of start to you know have some impressions of how the conference race is going so far. Uh, anything in particular jump out to you about what we've seen in the Big Sky to this point in the season?
5: Well, the, I think it's a typical Big Sky uh, season or typical Conference season, I think uh, comparable to many conferences around the year. I I would have told you two weeks ago that Weber State was going to be hard to beat. Um, you know they'd won six in a row. They'd had some terrific road wins at Wyoming, at number twenty three St. Mary's. Uh, they go to Oral Roberts in the Big Sky Summit League Challenge and knock off. Uh, the, are, are in the nation's longest home winning streak with a win over Oral Roberts. And they go on a road and lose a couple of close ones, and it kind of seems like it you know, rattled their confidence a little bit. And then I got a chance to watch Eastern Washington at Weber State, which also ended up being a, a two-point game for Weber State. But I think right now Eastern Washington is a team to beat. I think Montana's playing awfully well right now. Uh I think kind of the, the mystery team a little bit as to what happened and where they're at is is Portland State. They, they had the best record coming into league play and had a couple terrific non-league wins, and then they're, they've lost some league games by big, big margins, which really surprises me. And then you have a team like Northern Arizona who goes on the road and loses by forty points, and then comes home and wins. Uh, wins two games at home. So very unpredictable, I think, from about the third team on down as to what could happen. Uh, I think Weber State still has a chance to right the ship, so to speak. It's not like they're playing bad. They're, until last night against Montana, their uh, three league losses were all one-possession losses. But uh, Eastern Washington seems to be playing with a lot of confidence I like what David Riley does with them, especially at the offensive end. Skilled five guys on the floor at one time can all shoot the three point shot, which means that you can't really cheat off anyone, uh, to help in the post or even to help on dribble penetration. So uh but as always, uh the gold ring uh is hanging in, in uh the city of Boise. So you wanna be playing your best basketball. Um uh, March 9th, the first day of the conference tournament. Uh, um, and can have a chance, obviously, to win a tournament and then get to buy it, the uh, NCAA win.
3: You summed it up really, really well there. And there really is a lot of intrigue where we sit right now for the conference tournament. And, you know, who knows? I'm thinking back to last year in Boise with how hot NAU got if there's a team like that that can, you know, go into Boise when you have that momentum and you pick up that momentum into late February and into March and how that can translate uh, for the conference tournament. And uh, it's not only a treat to talk to you today because you have your finger on the pulse of the big sky, but uh, in your very successful and long coaching career, it included that time as the head coach here at the University of Idaho. What are your favorite memories from your three seasons in Moscow?
5: Well, there was a lot of nice people there. My, I uh, think most of my uh, memories are, are family memories. I, I've got two daughters who are now 34 and 31. One lives in Chicago and is an actress, and one lives in uh uh Chicago. I mean, uh, Denver. Works for the Colorado Rockies. They were both. The, the little one was just an infant then. She had just been born the previous year, and the other one was in preschool. And and you know, what a great place to have young kids and and uh, have your family start raising your family. The Moscow, Idaho, and uh, a lot of very pleasant people there. Uh, I have memories of going to the farmers market on Saturday morning downtown with the girls and. Just, uh, I always said it was kind of like living in Mayberry a little bit, which is, is a compliment, not, not, uh, uh, something that's critical because I grew up in a town like that. So I, I really enjoyed that environment. I enjoyed the people there and, uh, a lot of made a lot of good friends at the university that I still maintain. And so, uh, it didn't exactly end like I would have liked for us to, but we there was a lot of positive things Dave, for my three years.
3: Yeah, I had a lot of fun just kind of going back and getting into the weeds on those three years and seeing wins over Oregon and WSU and the University of Washington uh, over that time uh, certainly stood out. Uh, I know those connections that you make with players and coaches, those, those run deep. Any of those guys from your time at Idaho that uh, you still keep in touch with or you've crossed paths with in the recent years?
5: Well, my coaching staff there, Bus Connor, the former uh, head coach of Boise State, still lives in Boise, and I usually see him during the conference tournament. Bus is now 91 or 92, still a huge basketball fan and watches basketball all the time. I, I visit with him. Jay McMillan, who was my uh, youngest member of that staff, has um, then went to Idaho State, as an assistant coach, is at Colorado State now, is uh, one of the top fundraisers over there and has a, a, a beautiful family and is doing quite well. Ray Jones, uh, the littlest cowboy he was called in the coaching profession, is uh, uh, retired now and lives in the East Coast. So I, I still have communication with those guys. Like I say, I'll, I'll see bus uh, uh, when I'm over at the conference tournament. Jason Ficka, who was... My uh, manager slash assistant coach, a local kid there, is uh, also living in Fort Collins and was in college coaching for a long time. So uh, then, a lot of a lot of players, Mark Leslie, who played for me there, uh, and then was assistant coach. Mark was an All Conference player and people were uh, you know big Gonzaga fans. remember Mel, uh, probably fans of Anton. Watson who's been a four or five year player and starter for the Zags over there. His father Dion Watson is the all time leading rebounder there at the University of Idaho and uh, I, I communicate with Dion some and Orlando Lightfoot who was the all time leading scorer in the Big Sky for a long time. Uh back in his hometown of Chattanooga. And, you know many, many young men at that time who were now Middle-aged men uh, are doing well and families of their own, and and that's uh, one of the really neat things about coaching is, as you said, Chris, the people you meet and the people who uh, become a part of your life and the ups and downs of athletics, and you can always look back and laugh and tell stories, and it's it's kind of a kind of a special. Profession. not an easy profession, but a special profession in a lot of ways.
3: Well, I know a lot of Vandal fans listening to this got a big smile on their face hearing so many of those names that you mentioned there. That is, uh, that is great to hear. And and for you, you've taken like a fish to water to broadcasting in your in your post coaching career. How much fun do you have calling games?
5: Oh, it's I, I thank my lucky stars there every day. I, I uh, when I was let go at Weber State. Which you and I, I think, talked about uh, when the Vandals played Weber State. There's not many guys can say they're broadcasting a game where they got fired by both teams, not just one of them. But uh, so I don't know if there's an award for that or not. Uh, I I was very fortunate when I uh, got let go by Weber State that that next year I got right into broadcasting, so I never missed missed a beat and uh i broke in with what's called the old mountain network which was everyone has heard the sec network and the big network so on the mountain network was the very first network that uh was put together to follow one one conference and that was the mountain west conference so i they gave me a a chance there and it worked out so i worked for them for six years and then uh they went under when the mountain West kind of changed with Utah and BYU getting out and I was able to find work elsewhere. So <laughs> this is my 18th year of broadcasting and, uh, it is, uh, it's been wonderful. I kind of tongue in cheek. If I knew how uh, fun and how easy this was, I would have wished they fired me 10 years earlier. <laughs> I could have got in uh, a lot earlier, it, but uh, it's, uh, it is uh, as you and I talked last Saturday night. It's all the pleasure and none of the pain. You know, you, you broadcast the game, and uh, maybe one of my good friends is a head coach, and they get beat on a last-second shot, and God, you feel so bad for about five seconds. Then you say, "Okay, let's go get a sandwich and beer, boys." You know, so uh, again, you're involved, and I and I take great pride in my preparation, and I work hard at it. But when it's over, it's over and you move on. And that's certainly not the case of coaching.
3: That is summed up perfectly. And last last question for you. We'll see you again down at Boise. Uh, you do such a great job broadcasting the Big Sky Tournament. And I think to myself that uh, I know that the coaches are working hard. The players are working hard. You're one of the hardest working men in Boise during the Big Sky Tournament because you've got a load of games on your plate. Uh, I, I, how much fun is the tournament? We talk about broadcasting overall, but that is a, that is a, a marathon and a sprint all in that, uh, that short span that we're all there in Boise.
5: Well, I'm I'm really lucky, Chris, that I'm doing these ESPN Plus games for Weber State because it gives me a chance to see everyone in the big sky. And as they come through, I prepare. So that helps me with my preparation for the conference tournament. But my preparation for the conference tournament, I, I always over-prepare, and that's probably an old coach in me. But just for a single game, it usually takes me six hours to do what uh, the level of preparation that I think needs to be done. Now, of everything I have on my game cards or my cheat sheet, so to speak, I only use about 30, maybe 40%, probably closer to 30, but I never know what 30% is going to be, what information needs to be touched on during the game. But for the conference tournament, I'll, I'll spend probably 30 hours in preparation before i get there and then once you get there it's like crawling into a cave because in that setup i stay right there in the hotel where the tournament's held and you know you you get there you broadcast two games you go back to your room you prepare for the next one you go down do two four games but it's a lot of fun i really enjoy being involved with it yeah uh, as I tell people around the country, it's not the ACC, they're SEC, but unless you're an absolute basketball snob, you would enjoy the Big Sky Tournament and the Big Sky in general. It's a really good basketball league, year in, year out, good coaches, very competitive. As as we all know, the the Big Sky Tournament is kind of the, Browning jewel because you can be undefeated all season until you get there and you stub your toe once, you're not going to go to the NCAA tournament. So it's, uh, you know, it's all, all all or nothing there. And I think that adds a little element of uh, intensity and pride to the tournament. And Don Casper from the Big Sky who runs the tournament has just done a fabulous job. I mean, it is almost seamless when you get things. And uh, I think the Big Sky in general uh, deserves a lot of credit. And in the city of Boise, they do a nice job of hosting it. And so it's a wonderful event. And when it's over with the last few years, I go right from there to spring training and uh, down in, in Scottsdale and in Arizona and kind of set in the sun and have a few Miller lights and kind of heal from the turn because it takes a lot out of me. Out of me. It's five five days of uh, preparation, and uh, you got to be on your game. Uh, but it's it's a very very enjoyable experience.
3: Can't wait for it. It will be here in a blink of the eye, Coach. It uh, I, I don't think anyone could walk away with a with a visit with you or a conversation with you without having a, a smile on your face afterwards. Uh, thanks so much for the time. This is a treat, and uh, you just set it up perfectly for Boise. We'll be there soon, and uh, looking forward to catching up then.
5: Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for the kind words. It's always enjoyable to talk to you and uh, uh, the people around your program. And, uh, you know, I've always got an eye on, on what the Vandals are doing. So I guess it'd be appropriate to end this with Go Vandals.
3: Well, again, a big thank you to Joe Cravens. And uh, after hearing uh, that conversation with him and after chatting with him, he's the perfect neighbor to have. So he's got that garden going. He makes sure to give his vegetables to to all his garden. He's my perfect neighbor. He's got uh, either the Colorado Rockies or the Cincinnati Reds playing on uh, Bluetooth throughout the summer, listening to the radio broadcast. Uh, Joe Cravens, again, a big thanks to him. Uh, for stopping by and chatting as we welcome back uh, Chris Hammond and Chris, we're talking to a couple coaches on this edition of the Vandal Insider. Recently, it was just announced new additions to the Vandal coaching staff on the football side. So Jason Eck adding Dan Jackson, who we chatted with a little bit earlier, but then Hunter Hughes will be the Sam's and Nichols coach on the defensive side of the ball, and Deontay Cooper will be the running backs coach. So these guys come with uh, a lot of experience, and it's it's neat to see on. A staff like this, where you get that combination of of youth and kind of great experience, and, and someone like Cooper at the high school level, but playing himself at a high level. So a guy who's more uh, getting his career started, and then Hunter Hughes, you get his experience as he was the head coach at Division II West Texas A&M in a very tough Lone Star League. Before that, a lot of success as the defensive coordinator for. Colorado State Pueblo, as they won the 2014 Division II National Championship. So a great mix, and I know that uh, with all the success the Vandal Football has had, obviously uh, Jason X, someone who's fantastic to work for, I know it's key for him to not only develop players but to develop coaches to make sure these guys all reach their goals and to help them do that, that uh, this is an attractive place to come and be on the staff of and a couple of other fantastic additions to the Vandal Football Program.
4: You're you're totally correct. And you can kind of see a little bit of like Coach X fingerprints all over these hires, right? And Coach Slice where, you know, they spent time at the D two and lower levels and the FCS and so they're not afraid, like maybe some coaches might be, to get guys that might not have that immediate D one experience. And West Texas A and M is currently transitioning to Division One. So, you know, Hunter Hughes is a part of building that program to where they felt that they could make a jump to the Division One levels. And then you look, you you lose a guy like Thomas Ford at running backs coach, deep, deep recruiting ties in the Northwest. You go after a, a high school coach that's from the area, from, played at the University of Washington. So you kind of find a guy who fits that mold too, can immediately step in and probably has a lot of those similar relationships on the recruiting trail that somebody like Thomas Ford might have had. So uh, I think they're both – good replacements for the people they're stepping in to place. I'm excited to see what they both can do. And you know, the thing that's fun about hiring people like this is you just feel like they're going to be hungry, right? Like this is their shot at D one football. And they want to leave their mark and keep advancing their careers. I mean, these are the huge opportunity for both of them. I don't think either of them are going to roll over and take these positions for granted. I think they're going to, you know, really bite into it, lean into it and, Uh, I think we're going to get some amazing production out of their position groups and same goes for Coach Jackson as well. It's just, uh, you know, you're always worried when you lose people, but then sometimes you get excited when you see who they actually bring in as well.
3: Deontay Cooper, I thought it was interesting that Jason Eck pointed out that he came highly recommended from Joel Thomas, so that uh, obviously carries a lot of weight when uh, Joel Thomas uh, tells Jason Eck, hey, I think this guy's got a bright future. You should have him a part of things uh, in Moscow, and, and the success he had, as you mentioned, that was a great point. In that Puget Sound area, Highline High School is in Birian, Uh so you have someone who's really got uh, tapped into not only the guys that uh, he's been coaching, but the guys that he's seen. He knows the whole Area and the Vandals, and, and really every team in the big sky, every team in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of talent in that Puget Sound region. Uh, so great to have that kind of connection with it as well.
4: Yeah, that's got to be one of those dream scenarios, right? You hear it like a big sky media day every once in a while. I believe Sam Herder, who we've had on the show, used to ask people, like, it's totally off the record. I won't put your name to it, but I just want to do a fun article. If you could have any other player in the big sky, who would you have? And hear what coaches say, like, oh, I'd like this. I'd love Hayden hat, right? If you're Idaho state or Montana or whatever. And now if you're Cooper, you get to look around and be like, man, my team was fun. But if I could have had that corner, or that wide receiver, or that right tackle, now he has that opportunity to be like, Hey, I played against you. I saw, you know, maybe he was watching film for his upcoming opponent and they played that team and said, man, that guy really popped off from the other team. I mean, he's, he spent five years learning that area. He's got four years worth of guys, maybe even younger that he's aware of coming up through the high school ranks. And I mean, it, I think we're going to see a big boost of, you know, Puget sound area talent um coming through this program. Cause he's, he's, he's seen them all firsthand. No, no, no need to go scout. Some of these guys, he's been scouting them. <laughs>
3: So, Chris, uh, before we put a bow on this episode of the Vandal Insider, I know there's exciting things coming up. Uh, uh, Tell us uh, what's on tap as we look here. uh, You know, February 23rd, we'll be here before we know it.
4: Yeah, we're recording on January 23rd. So one month to the day that the uh, 34th Annual Vandal Scholarship Fund will be happening down here in Boise, Idaho. Uh, Everybody's invited, even if you're up north, south, California, Oregon, Washington, wherever. It's it's. Probably our biggest fundraising event, probably our most important fundraising event. We have a lot of them. But uh, this year, you know, we get about 500 vandals is our goal, about 550. And we're we're quickly running out of tickets. But uh, we invite everybody to come. You mentioned Joel Thomas. We have a live auction. We have a behind me here, which I know we're not on video, but I have a signed Saints helmet from Joel Thomas and the entire Saints running back room, including Al- Alvin Kamara. For those of wow. you that are aware. Joel Thomas just made the move to the New York Giants, so we might have a Saquon Barkley Joel Thomas helmet coming as well. Uh So cool auction items like that, including VIP experience when we go travel to Oregon next year to get our first Big Ten win as a a program in a long time, if we've ever had one, Uh stuff like that, all kinds of VIP experiences, fishing, rafting, wine, I mean, there's we have people that joke around and say they haven't spent money all year because they book all their vacations at the Vandal Scholarship Fund Gala. We sold 10 trips to Tuscany last year. So, and all the money goes back to the student athletes, uh, and the Vandal Scholarship Fund. So we got a big one this year. We're, we're trying to break our record that we broke last year in terms of dollars raised. So we invite all the Vandals to, if you haven't bought a table or a ticket yet, um, to do so. And that's just 2024 VSF Gala dot Dot org, and we'll see about putting it down in the description for you guys. But uh, we'd love to see a bunch of vandals there. And if you've never been, I mean, it, it is such a fun event. Jason Eck will be down there, so that alone will probably get a bunch of people that want to come. But uh, come hang out with Jason and Kimberly and some other U of I dignitaries and some other state dignitaries that we can't comment on. But some important people will be in the room, and uh, it's a, always good to see who shows out for the vandals, and it's always it's always a good crowd.
3: That's going to be a great event. And, again, it's coming up on February 23rd. With that, uh, we will call it an episode. We'll be back with you here soon, though, this time of year, kind of twice a month, kind of close to that every two-week mark. And uh, we'll be working hard to uh, get some uh, more great guests, just like we were fortunate to have on this episode, to talk uh, a little bit all things Vandal. So for Chris Hammond, I'm Chris King. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to the Vandal Insider Podcast. Bees up.
2: This has been the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho Athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho Athletics.